TFC devotional podcast devoted to making sure you have the spiritual nourishment you need during these difficult times. Our text for this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, starting in verse 35. And he said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, Nothing. He said to them, But now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, Look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. I've been listening to a series of talks on early church history. Because you know it's quarantine and you've got to fill your time somehow. It's been really fascinating to compare our current church experience to theirs. You can see even as early as a couple of hundred years after the life of Christ, things began to develop that have led to the way that we do church even now. The New Testament canon was being assembled. Uh, Some churches were buying buildings. Churches practiced different service flows. True and false beliefs about Jesus were fought over. However, the single biggest difference I believe between their experience and ours is persecution, hardship, opposition, All over Scripture, we are warned that hardships will come. This has become almost theoretical for us. For the early church, when that kind of passage was read, no application was needed. Many times throughout the first couple hundred years of the church, people's lives were on the line when they accepted Christ as their Savior. In the Scripture we just read, Jesus is preparing his disciples for just that kind of trouble. As I've been mentioning, I'm reading through the Gospel of Luke, and this was the passage that caught my attention this week. Jesus telling his disciples to go buy a sword? What is this all about? Well, I've done a little bit of reading about it, so let's kind of unpack what's going on here. We are about a chapter away from the crucifixion. Jesus is addressing his disciples in the upper room just after the Last Supper. Now, you'd be forgiven if this passage isn't especially familiar to you, as it only occurs in the Gospel of Luke. Here. Jesus starts by alluding back to when he first sent his disciples out, two by two, to proclaim the coming of the kingdom of God, back in chapter 9. Then he said, don't take anything with you, for everything you need will be provided. And we see here the disciples saying, yeah, we remember that. That's how it was. At that point, the disciples went out into a nation that was excited about Jesus. He was healing people. He was giving out free lunch. He was poking fun at the religious leaders. What's not to like? The people were more than happy to welcome his disciples and support their ministry. But Jesus' words in verse 36 let us know that something's up. He said to them, but now. Jesus knows what his disciples haven't figured out yet. The world is going to be hostile to the gospel because the world is going to be hostile towards Jesus. He knows he's about to be betrayed to a people that will crucify him. He knows that trouble is coming for him, and if for him for his followers as well. So is Jesus, in response to the coming trouble, telling his disciples to go get a money bag, a knapsack, and a sword to confront the enemies of Christianity? Unlikely. For one, the disciples say, well, we've got two swords, to which Jesus replies, it is enough. Two swords for 11 guys against the nation of Rome? It's not going to accomplish much. It is enough is more likely Jesus dismissing the disciples, obviously missing the point of what he's trying to say. Furthermore, in the next chapter, Peter is going to chop a guy's ear off with one of these two swords, which Jesus promptly reattaches and heals 
to that individual and rebukes Peter's actions. So what is Jesus saying? What is his point? His point is this. Be ready. You're now moving into a world that is hostile to me and to my message. Even after I've resurrected and ascended into heaven, you will be preaching a message that the world is not ready to hear. This will be the case for the lives of all the apostles, almost all of whom were killed for their beliefs and teaching, and will stay relatively the same for the next 300 years of church history. So suit up. Count the cost. Be ready. Be vigilant. But suit up with the power that I, meaning Jesus, will provide. Arm yourselves with the weapons of spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. These men are not your enemy. We have an enemy in Satan who will be against you at every turn. In the middle of the text we read, Jesus says this, For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me, and he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. Jesus is saying what is about to happen, meaning the crucifixion and the persecution that will follow, will confuse you and break your heart and cause some of you to deny me. But everything that is about to happen is part of God's plan. The Old Testament revealed why Jesus was coming, to be counted as a transgressor in our place, so that we might have new life. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that through him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the gospel. Glory through shame, victory through defeat. God accomplishing his purposes. What man meant for evil, God meant for good. So what's the application for us? Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. 1 Peter 4, 12-13 We will have hardship in this life. The book, of James, the book of James says it this way, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You will experience broken relationships. You will experience sickness. You will experience injustice because of your faith in Jesus Christ. The church has enjoyed an unbelievable place of privilege in American society for a long time. But as we see culture and media becoming more and more hostile to Christ and to his church, it isn't going to do us any good to cry injustice. Jesus told us this was going to happen. Why do we think that we are exempt from this teaching? Know this. God often works through trials. God often accomplishes his purposes through suffering. Jesus said, if they persecute me, they will also persecute you. But God, through the persecution of Jesus, accomplished salvation for the world. And will God, and God will use any trials that come your way to accomplish his purposes. He is close to the brokenhearted. We experience more of the life of Christ in us when we face trials like he did. So take heart. In this world you will have trouble, but God has overcome the world. Rejoice in the Lord, lay all your worries at his feet, and you will have the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. 
God will bring triumph in this life or the life to come through every difficult situation that we face. So be ready. Thank you for tuning in for another edition of Let's Talk. Join us every Monday through Friday for more devotions from your BFC pastoral staff. And don't forget to tune into our online services at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. Visit our website at www.bfcsebring.com and check out our Facebook page at BFC Family for more updates and helpful articles. Church family, you are loved. Now go forth in the confidence that our God is with us every step of the way. Thank you.